0: Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Hello and welcome to the Basket Case Immersive on Ron Converse Jr. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into Ron's experiences to try and understand what's going on between our ears in those moments. So you can add action and awareness to your back of trick shots next tournament. Think of everything you're about to hear as a jumping off point for you to discover what works for you and your own mental game. So take it or leave it. Also, the advice you're about to hear is conversational, not clinical. I am not a mental health professional or a sports psychologist but I do strongly believe that if you've ever had your mental game fail you you're not weird in fact you're in good company so let's get ready to flex our mental muscles and adapt
1: Come on, y'all
0: Ron Converse Jr. is a three-time world champion in MP50 and has been playing disc golf for over 30 years. He became 1,000-rated at 39 years old and maintained it for 20 years, even with a full-time job and kids to raise, proving that players who can adapt can be competitive at any age. If you haven't listened to Ron's episode yet, go take a listen. He's got a killer fieldwork routine and some stellar stories. First off, Ron experiences really got me thinking about each age range of golfer and how they have different strengths and weaknesses. You hear it all the time from commentators about how certain players have a very smart or mature game for their age, and I myself have realized this season that my style of high-risk, high-reward play doesn't always pay off and might be holding me back from my best scoring rounds. But... (laughs) On the other side of the coin, how will I know I can make that 60-footer unless I go for it? Won't running putts and playing aggressive pay off in the long run? Slowly making me a more accurate, smart, but daring player who's exciting to watch, even if it means I don't score as well short-term? Is a player's ability to play compellingly for spectators the ultimate goal, whether they score well or not? Simon Lozac. Here's what Ron said in the episode about young talent and their fearless mentalities. You'll, you'll see this a lot as younger people come on. They're just phenomenal. They'll, they have no fear. They, they run everything. And sometimes they, they do horribly, but overall, they probably do pretty darn well on occasion. As they develop their game, you'll see that fearlessness go away in their mid-20s and their game will take a hit. It makes perfect sense that younger players adopt the risk it for the biscuit mentality for a few reasons. First off, youth is meant to be experimental. When you're young, you're still experimenting with life and figuring out who you are and what you want to be. You cut your own bangs, you make questionable choices, and ultimately do some weird stuff that future you will cringe at. Young people just try stuff. Secondly, they have something to prove and nothing to lose. Making a big splash or draining big putts can put them on the radar in disc golf. That one highlight reel shot that a camera crew grabs could be their one shot that tournament to make coverage. And it gets their name out there. Go Big or Go Home has a lot lower stakes when you were just going to go home empty-handed anyways, since no one knows your name yet. Lastly, they are fearless because they haven't failed enough to be afraid of failing. (laughs) Jim McMahon, Super Bowl winning quarterback, once said, Yes, risk-taking is inherently failure-prone. Otherwise, it would be called sure-thing-taking. No risk you take is a sure thing, but a well-rounded, masterful player has the experience to know when and what risks to take. This narrative of aggressive versus conservative play has been getting some attention by commentators or analysts on debate night earlier this season, speculating wildly on what could have been if only the player had or hadn't gone for it. And it played out in multiple storylines in 2023, from Kristen Tatar, Ella Hansen, Bradley Williams, Kevin Jones, all losing or winning this season by the hand of decisions to play either safe or aggressive. One article I found talks about this phenomenon and says that there are many different types of risk. And the one that applies to these situations is called sporting risk. Sporting risks are a player's gamble in a competitive game. If the bet is successful, the player stands to gain in competition. If the bet is unsuccessful, he or she stands to lose. For example, a skier who must make tight turns around the gates is gambling that they will ski the most direct line and round each gate correctly. If the gamble is successful, they stand to win by scoring the fastest time. But if they miss even one single gate, they fail to complete the course and lose. While it's good advice for athletes to keep other types of risk, like safety risks, low, they must incur some level of sporting risk in order to even be competitive. Rather than sidestepping risk altogether and vowing to play safe from here on out, or vowing to run everything every time, sporting risks must be optimized instead of minimized, which is exactly what Roncon has learned over his storied career. This year at LVC, I went into the final round one stroke away from cash and decided to run and go for everything. If I could reach it, I vowed to birdie it, and it paid off in the front nine. I was at minus three, tied with Allie Smith, and moved from 32nd place up to 22nd place, and well within the cash. Then came hole 10. My cardmate Allie, who I was keeping pace with up until then, laid up a death putt, conceding par. I had a 24-foot uphill putt with hazard behind, and it didn't even occur to me to lay that puppy up this is a putt I know I can make all day i had been playing fire that round and most importantly I was still neck deep in my run everything push and score mentality well of course I missed it I landed in the hazard with a 28 footer uphill missed the comebacker low and after a 60 foot roll down a hill I finally laid up <laughs> tail as old as time right My birdie turned into a triple, and that neg three I had worked my ass off slipped through my fingers. I missed the cash, and that putt still haunts me. (laughs) Now, if you put me on that green at LVC right now and asked me what I would do, I don't know if I would run it or not. (laughs) I still might, and I can for sure tell you I would think twice about it at least. I would give myself a moment of weighing the options and checking in versus bullheadedly trying what works normally, even in a novel situation, because now I know I have more tournament experience to say, wait a minute, do I need this birdie or do I only need a par? Do I 100% believe that I can make this putt right now? Maybe I would have made a different decision with more optimized risk. Because the thing is, for that one 24-footer I missed at LVC, there are a thousand more 24-footers I've made easily without thinking twice. If something like this has ever happened to you, or if you have an opinion of either aggressive or conservative play, send it in. We'll read it on our next immersive. I was able to talk with Pete, Yuli's older brother, for Yuli's Immersive, and he just had so many amazing stories and insights that I wanted to put his voice in this Immersive as well. This one story in particular, I thought, dovetailed perfectly with Ron Con's episode, optimized risk and adapting to a new game as you age.
1: Here's Pete. You pitched a softball at me I, uh, because the last <laughs> couple years have been quite a struggle. And and like I had a certain place where my I felt like my game was peaking. Well, two years ago they announced that uh, Masters Worlds was going to be in Flagstaff this year, and so like my goal was like I'm going to be ready for that. I ended up like kind of figuring out a way, just instead instead of like trying to throw the disc far and like dominate, just to like pick my way through the course. As the it was the mental strategy is like, how do I pick my way through this course? and get pars and then try and birdie the ones like only ones I can during this period also like I had a really bad streak of putting and going like I just don't know like
0: Mm.
1: when it'll come back um I I go out and I practice I even did the most radical thing I could possibly do which is get different putters because the one thing I know is it's not the putters Mm. it's me and it's me dealing with what I like, like my body, and and getting through that. And so um, I just said, well, you know what? You know it's you, so let's just try different putters so that you just have a refresh. Yeah. And so I had some other putters I threw in my bag, and I was working with, and I was having some decent success with them. And then Masters Rules comes along, and I pack up my 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 bag, and I pack up my, I grab some extra discs just in case I need something else when I go 100 miles next door. which is it's the same elevation same everything so i don't really have anything i need to change and i kind of like was going through and there was my my old putter and i because i didn't think i would ever change back i thought well i'll just stick with this for now it's kind of working we work in story with within our own minds you know and i said hey hey peachy it it, it was it was a peach colored luna you know so i was like hey peachy you want to go make a run of the world title (laughs) all right well if you if you're in the bag then you better be committed you know <laughs> it was a, it was a silly it, you know like i look at it and you can go like well that's a silly thing to to say and do but at the same time i took it and just put it in my bag said all right here we go i uh, drove out to flagstaff got the sleep i needed got up and uh the first day of the tournament uh the pain in my back had gone away Mm-hmm. By just making sure I don't make my steps too big in my X step, I have to like really be conscious about not putting too much pressure on the hip, but making sure that I'm smooth. And so, uh, started picking my way through and, you know, like, uh, I would get into, get into the first part of the round and make a couple major mistakes and like be struggling and then go like, yeah, but you can get a couple on the back nine. And, mm-hmm. and one of the mental things that like that over the years I've built is that like, you know, always going, well, it's not over until the last pod is in. And so like never give up. That's been the biggest, strongest, like mantra I've had for it's gotten me through many playoffs and is like never give up. Each round I've just somehow would like birdie the last three or four or five and like kind of get back into get back into it. And then um finally made my way down to I got onto the, the lead card for the semis mm-hmm. and kind of battled with Dave Felberg for our for like the last spot in the final nine. And I've, I've played with Dave a number of times and he's got a certain way about him that everybody can chuckle about. And I, I could see that he was pressured and this is the semifinals. I missed a putt on hole 17 and I could kind of see a little relief in Dave. And I thought, boy, it must be either somebody's making a run from the back card and I'm out of it completely, or there's a battle right now. Yeah. And I probably should have looked, but I didn't. He ended up out of position off the tee on 18. I was slightly out of position, but had a good look. He was doing his pacing thing. Hmm. And I thought, boy, it's pressure. It's pressure. It must be. <laughs> it's it. Him or I. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's either him or I or somebody from the other card. I put a really good move on the disc for the second shot. This is that long par uh, five hole 18 at uh, Little America. He scrambled himself a shot um, into another scramble spot. Hmm. I was wide open. And like the one mistake I knew I couldn't make on my third shot was to miss and go be right of the pin, the pin set in like 28 feet off of the out of bounds and on a little side hill. And so I kind of like I didn't fully commit to that shot perfectly. And I left it to about 40 feet. I feel like it was 40 feet. Maybe it was a little shorter. I don't know. Because you're um, afraid of going
0: right. So you just, went 40 just, feet left. Yeah.
1: Oh. Correct. Correct. I didn't quite <laughs> commit. I, I know what I did now. I threw a putter and I know what I did now, and I probably could have just thrown something like a little more stable, mm-hmm. but I was in such perfect position. I think I was like 268 or 270 right, it's, to it's the 10.
0: Like so, so it was know. like
1: it was like I chose the shot that I knew I could execute best was like the putter, rather than like over speeding a mid or something. And I just mm-hmm. kind of made the choice based on like how I felt. And then he put it to what I would think was like 28 feet. Mm-hmm. And I got to my putt, and now I'm on the left side putting at the basket, and the OB is directly behind the basket, and I've got to kind of go under this little pine tree branch, a little awkward. I looked at the shot, and I said, well, okay, I need to make this, maybe, but if I miss, it'll roll OB. I don't know if I, you know, I don't want that, and then I thought to myself, like, well, I don't know where we sit, but... Dave's missed a few putts. He's pressured up a little bit this round, which is uncharacteristic. But like, if I make it, maybe he pressures up and then I'm in. Yeah. But I don't want to go OB. But then I just decided, okay, could you live with yourself if you laid up? Hmm. Like, what if you laid up?
0: What
1: and if you lay said, up and it rolls O B? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's garbage. I just I've learned just go for it. Your game is go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I looked at it, I said, Well, what if you uh if you lay up and you know that if you would have made the putt, you would have been in the final nine and you didn't, you'd probably kick yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like and so um I just kind of like put myself in the mindset of going, okay, you're gonna make it. You haven't missed a putt, really, like a good putt.
0: Yeah, like all one week. That you could make. Like all
1: week. i have missed a couple, but they weren't like big misses. Like you're Peachy, hit the basket.
0: she did her job.
1: <laughs> so I let it fly and I got a little uh rim chain nub roll v Um, went back and made my my comebacker and I bogeyed and I uh if, I think the way it would have played out is if, if I would have made and Dave would have missed, I would have been in. Oh. But in this situation, it's, it's, it's like, you know what? Everything I built for the last two years was this belief, this plan that somehow it would all work out. Understand that the moments that I was living in that were very hard, mm-hmm. the moments where like my game was failing and, and at times maybe it feels embarrassing. Like this isn't how I play. Like some of the newer friends that I've played with and gotten to be good, good friends with and playing, they, they've never seen me play well, you know. And like, you know, it's like this is kind of like tough. Like, guys, I seriously, I promise, I'm okay. I promise, there. I'm really
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pete. <laughs> um, uh,
1: but but knowing that every one of those moments, like, and not and not giving those moments like power to control my like life or my destiny per se. Maybe that's a little too dramatic to say it, but like that's kind of what it is. It's like not giving those moments of failing and those moments of like, because even though you're failing, you're pressing, I was pressing towards an ultimate goal. trusting that like, you know, in time, my body will heal. In time, I'll find a new form. and and through all of that, what happened is I ended up with a better form than I had before. And it's slightly modified. It's more compact. My throw was much cleaner and better than it's ever been. So the worry that I would lose what I had before came true in a way, but, but not in the false narrative that we tell in anxiety.
0: Thank you again, Pete, for being part of this season. And if you have a mental game story and want to be on Basket Case, get in touch. I'll read your send on the show or schedule a time to record. As always, sources from the episode are linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, full send everybody, even if the send is a lay. No cats, no glory, no brains, no chains. Goodbye.
1: I don't want to hear excuses about I'm too old.